It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Subscribe to the Astros Podcast. Joined by Justin Verlander getting the ball on opening day. Steve Sparks here, and I'm with Lance McCullers. Tons of interviews. Robert Ford joined by Michael Brantley. Alex Bregman. Carlos Correa returning to the lineup today. Highlights. That is lined in the right field, and that's going to get down for a base hit. High deep, and it's gone. A grand slam. Follow your favorite team. Subscribe to the Astros podcast. We definitely love playing in front of our fans in Minute Maid Park. For the H. They never said it would be easy. This is the Houston Astros Radio Network. Hi, and welcome back to another version of Astropod. Uh, welcome aboard, everybody. I'm Steve Sparks, along with TV personality, great friend, great voice, great everything. Uh, Todd Callis, thanks for joining me today. Thank you, Sparky. You forgot to mention great hair. Although I'm losing it. <laughs> I did not forget. Is your hair a mess right now? Because mine's it going is. everywhere. I think I'm going to have to have the wife cut it down a little bit. Although I might just go a little shaggy for now since I'm not on TV and, and not worry about it. I've got a goatee going, which I never do on TV. So right, life's a little yeah. different. Did you just call uh, Michelle the wife? I did. I dropped the wife in there. <laughs> What's your hand washing technique? Uh, 20 seconds. I try and do it to the first stanza of Deep in the Heart of Texas, so I know I've gone long enough. The stars, the stars ignite, ignite. <laughs> are big and bright. Deep in the heart of Texas. <laughs> sky. I, take, I take my cue from Dr. Oz, and he said what they learned um, in school when he was uh, becoming a doctor was uh, a proper way to, to scrub, and it was regular, and then it's to kind of milk your thumbs, and then after you've gone to the back of your hands, then you rub your the ends of all of your fingers in your palms for about three or four seconds on, on each side. That way it gets the ends of your fingers toward the end, and it gets a little bit extra. And those are the digits that can cause the most damage, uh, from what Dr. Oz says. What do you think about that? I'm sorry, I didn't hear anything after you said milk yourselves. <laughs> you know, speaking of um, terrible attention spans, Todd, <laughs> yeah. while you were just responding to me, I, I was just flipping through the internet. Do you know why pirates wear an eye patch? Um, is this a joke or is this real? <laughs> <laughs> Let me play Ed McMahon. Why do pirates wear eye patches? <laughs> The eye patch could be used to prepare one eye to see in the dark. So when they would go below deck, they could swap patch from one eye to the other and see with the eye that is already adjusted to low light conditions. And that would allow them to instantly see in the dark and they'd have an, an advantage in, a, in an altercation. That's actually pretty cool. I never knew that. You know what? It makes sense. And I'm thinking about starting to maybe wear an eye patch to set a trend. But I, I also think like if I had to go below deck, uh, I would have an advantage over Robert Ford, Jeff Dunn, Talkhouse, <laughs> Julia Morales, all of you guys. 
<laughs> I think I think that's a great story. That's yeah. a great piece of trivia. Hey, speaking of trivia, I'm going to drop this on Joe. So um, I want you okay. to hear it beforehand because he's not on the air right now. Have you ever heard the name Salvatore Persico? Salvatore Persico? Persico. P-E-R-S-I-C-O. No. All right. He was a catcher for the New York Yankees. And uh, okay. you can just keep that in your in your memory bank when we talk to Joe, because I'm going to drop that on him and see if he knows who he is, and we'll we'll go from there. So my guess is it was his first catcher ever in the minor leagues. And you're going to see <laughs> if he remembers. Is it 1913? Yeah, he played with the Yankees in 1913. Maybe it was his second year, not his not his first catcher. <laughs> Joe's the best. We're looking forward to having Joe Smith on with us later. So, and I don't I don't want to say this in front of Joe. I don't want to inf- inflate his ego at all it's one of the nicest players i've ever interacted with since i've been doing this what about you oh my gosh he's beyond nice Just he and ali laforth are very well known obviously joe a major league baseball pitcher and ali does uh, a great job with her uh tv work and yet they are the most humble sweetest people possible yeah that's a it's a great couple yeah what'd you do last week uh for easter laid low we painted easter yeah. eggs on saturday michelle the uh-huh. wife as previously mentioned, yeah. uh, she has a family tradition where they do like a big Easter egg contest. Whoever gets the best egg is the winner. And I think this year there's a three-way tie because everybody was feeling very, very special. Um, oh. But yeah, they so we, we did a big group Facebook Live, I think. And uh, we had a bunch of eggs that we painted on Saturday and had a Saturday night contest and uh, <laughs> hung out, watched uh, Andrea Pacelli yesterday, which was phenomenal. Did you see that on YouTube? I did not. He was amazing coming from the Duomo in Milan. It was, uh, did yes. about four or five songs inside a church there at the Duomo and then walked outside and did Amazing Grace. And it was uh, emotional, uplifting, uh, incredible. Uh, it's, yeah, you guys, it's on YouTube now. You can see it. Okay. It's incredible. Yeah. I'm going to go try to check that out. Well, my wife, uh, my kids now are 26, 24, and 21. And no kidding, she made Easter baskets for all three and hid 25 <laughs> eggs in our backyard, including cash prizes of $10, $5, and $5. Just like they were under 10 years old still. It was, it was ridiculously stupid, but uh, kind of funny at the same time. I love that, man. You got to keep those traditions going. And I love the fact that eggs come in 12s and then she ended up with 25 somehow. <laughs> yeah, don't ask me how. Don't ask me how, but uh, she still she still treats them all like her babies. And uh, to be honest, I mean, I think the kids loved it just as much as she did. Awesome. Yeah, and I got up at 5.30 in the morning uh, to smoke uh, three different meats. So I did uh, a turkey, then I did a ham, and then I did, my son and I love fish. We smoked cod. Uh, oh, man. That was some uh, maple wood pellets uh, in my little Traeger grill in the backyard. And we ate well, man. We had a good time. That is so cool. Now, I have not been into the smoking game. I know Blummer does it. When right. you do smoke, do you use the same pellets for all the different food items? There's 15 different uh, uh, right. pellets that you can get. So there's hickory and uh, right. maple that I have right now. So I, I alternate so all the meat doesn't have the same type of smoky flavor right now. My son and I love to, to smoke fish more than anything else. It was fun. We enjoyed it in uh, just being able to spend a little time together, play some cards and, and kind of take advantage uh, of whatever we can, you know, as our lives change, you know, nothing's probably going to be the same, but uh, we're trying to take away uh, as much good from these times as we can. Man, that sounds so good. I'm hungry right now listening to that. That's what a feast you guys have for Easter. <laughs> 
I love it. And without further ado, we're going to bring in Astros right-handed relief pitcher, Joe Smith. Joe, thanks for joining Todd Callis and myself. It's great to hear from you. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing all right. I mean, about the same as everybody else, but uh, we stayed here in Florida, so it's a bit sunnier, I think, than uh, you know Ohio, where we would have wound up back at, but... Um, I don't know. Doing a lot. Doing a lot of nothing. <laughs> You're not quite doing nothing, Joe. We were just talking about uh, the Project Frontline that you and Allie and other athletes are involved with. That's been taking up a lot of your time. I know you guys have been very active and vocal in getting the word out. Tell us a little bit about Project Frontline and getting meals out to hospitals in Cleveland and Houston. Yeah, Project Frontline was something that. Um... The charity organizations, athletes and causes that runs our stuff, uh, they came to us with the idea and they actually executed it down in Tampa first. And obviously, you know, during this time, there's a lot of people that are hurting and um, but obviously our healthcare workers, they can't go unforgotten because they're the ones, you know, they're away from their family. Some of them taking pay cuts, working doubles and you know, this, it's not earth shattering, but we're just trying to, you know, give something just to say a thank you. You know, there's so many things that they need. But uh, one of the things we had heard from some of our friends and family in that field was, you know, just meals around the hospitals and working doubles that don't have time to eat and they're tired of the same old food. And on top of obviously trying to feed them. You know, restaurants in this country have taken a tremendous hit uh, from going to just carry out only. And we're trying to just provide a little bit of business for them as well and get out there and have them help us. And, um, you know, as you guys seen, there's a lot of people kind of using that hashtag. And whether you go through our foundation or something like Alex Bregman or Carlos Correa or, you know, that are, that are doing their, their own thing, but in essence, the same sort, just, you know, Given if we have the ability to help, we got. I feel like we have to help in, in some aspect, no matter what it was. And um, so it's been fun doing it. And obviously, we got a couple more deliveries set up for this week, and hopefully, we can keep it going. And you know, just seeing what the other guys are doing, uh, JB and Kate and um, and Lance and Kara. It's uh, you know, and I mean Reddick. It's amazing. You know, one of the when I came over to this team, you never know what to expect. But these guys got a you know, a, a run through with it real early in their career with Hurricane Harvey. And, and you saw what, the, you know, the Astros team did, uh, players and the Astros themselves and Mr. Crane for that community. And, and it's amazing um, how these guys really give back to their community. It's just uh, it's, it's really neat to see. And hopefully, you know, we keep it going because obviously this thing isn't going to stop today or tomorrow. Well, Joe, you've got an interesting perspective because you've been on a few teams, but this team is, is really takes it to another level as far as the, the foundations and the charity work, don't they? Yeah, yeah, it's unbelievable. I was blown away when I first got here to see. And the amazing thing is these guys are so young and doing it, and, yeah. and that's really, really, really cool because when I was that young um, – playing in baseball, I didn't know what I wanted to do. You know, I, I was trying to be like, all right, I got to help some way. What can I do? And it took me a while to figure it out. So these guys are on top out. of I was it. the same way. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's less something just hits your heart or hits home. But, you know, these yeah. guys have embraced really like the city of Houston. I mean, all, most of these guys on our team live there. Um, it, it's really cool how they how they have become, you know, one with that city and are always looking to give back. Joe, it's uh, charity.gofundme.com backslash Project Frontline. I know we've seen, we've talked on this podcast about 
uh, all the big numbers that the Astros and you guys and Reddicks and Bregmans have been donating. Uh, anybody can go on that website, right? And, and $5, $10 goes a long way. Any contribution, I would think. Yeah, any contributions. You can also go to athletesandcauses.org, and you'll see a tab there. It'll say Project Frontline. It'll say Learn More. You can read a little bit more about it and where the money, what you know, what areas we're, we're trying to do it in. And, um, and, and yeah, donate. I mean, any anything will help. You know, whether it's uh, one meal, whether you know you want to do a whole hospital. What you know, what, it doesn't matter. Just uh, you know, we look at it as just some a way just to say thank you. And I know it's it's probably not enough. And I wish we could do more. But um, you know, just something to kind of have make sure these people know we're thinking about them and we thank them for all their sacrifices that they're going through right now there's a lot to be grateful for for all of us right but yeah there's also the the reality that we can get a little stir crazy doing what we're doing right now how are you trying how are you and ally getting through the day-to-day stuff uh with not being able to have uh, a lot of close contact with anybody yeah, I mean, we've been good, actually. Uh, this is probably, this is definitely the longest um, one-on-one time my wife and I have ever had. Uh, our schedules are always mis- mismatched, and obviously, playing baseball, you're gone for 12 hours a day, and with yeah. her and her job, she's bouncing around in different cities, so uh, it's been good for us. Um, um, she played Division One basketball, and we're we're pretty competitive around here. Fortunately, they haven't closed all the golf courses, so I consider that social distancing. I've been able to do that a little bit, but whether it be like playing cards with my wife or something, you know, uh, anything to compete. Just anything, man. You know, you, you, I see it's funny when you look on like Instagram or Twitter or something. All these games people are coming up with and. My wife and I kind of talked about it and no way would I wish this would ever happen, but, you know, kind of a reset, you know, we always talked about kids these days and, and younger generations, everything's through the cell phone, everything's through technology and losing that aspect of just uh, human interaction and, you know, getting back with your families and, you know, having to come up with, uh, you know, some neat ideas to fill your time or, you know, even using the technology, but maybe getting, you know, I know my wife has a a happy hour FaceTime every Friday with her college roommates, you know, just uh, something that, you know, everybody's lives are pulling them in, in different directions. And now you actually have the ability to connect with some people that, you know, you might have just not been able to, you know, because of jobs or whatever different circumstances people are in. But, um, you know, my wife's a super positive person, so she always tries to look at the bright sides. Uh, But it's been, um, for us, it's been good. I mean, yeah, most people know uh, that are listening to this, but Allie LaForce, your wife, of course, uh, covers the NBA on TNT and also March Madness and does a great job at that. Who's the better free throw shooter between the two of you and what's your go-to card game uh we're sticking with rummy 500 right now so she doesn't play a lot of cards nor has she so i told her once we nail one game then then we can move (laughs) on to the next but we gotta get there Uh, but she's been doing pretty good at that so um free throws that's a good question she usually doesn't miss she's she can shoot that's for sure my wife when and I've told Todd this, when we play these card games and she loses, she may wake up at two or three in the morning and have a question for me. Like, do you think I, I, I bid to, I mean, like she cannot let it go. <laughs> it's unbelievable my, how much this has taken over our lives. These card games. 
<laughs> what are you guys playing? You guys We've playing been playing spades, spades a lot. You know, yeah. Well, a couple it. of our kids will come over and we'll be playing spades, and my wife just cannot handle as she loses <laughs> so my wife funny. can't stand it either but after she, in the moment she gets hot but then uh after that it just kind of she forgets about it which is good joe todd's got an unbelievable trivia question for you todd why don't you break it out on it see if joe knows <laughs> oh, God. it's actually it, it's it's not really as much trivia as it's it's complete random rabbit hole i went down today because i was just looking up a couple of things on you uh, has okay. anybody ever asked you of, about a catcher who caught for the New York Yankees in 1913 named Salvatore Persico? No, somebody told me there was another Joe Smith, and he caught for the Yankees back in the day, but I, I don't there think you go. stories are related. Oh, they are That's related. That's it. That's it. You've got okay. it. All right, so here's the deal. This guy is named Salvatore Joseph Persico, caught in 1913, 14 games, but when he played baseball, he went by Joe Smith. For some reason, in his obituary and everything, right? In his obituary <laughs> and everything else, he was Salvatore Persico. So, with that knowledge, you are the only Major League Baseball player, as common as Joe Smith is around the world. You are the only Major League Baseball player named Joe Smith. Crazy. It's not. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, There's I, more Boog pals that played in the Major League than Joe Smith. <laughs> <laughs> How many people have you met named Joe Smith? I think I've only met um, – there's a writer actually down in Tampa. Right. Um, and he was the one that told me about the guy with the Yankees. Wow. I think that's the only other one I've actually met in person. It's good because a lot of guys get the wrong baseball cards when they share names. Brian Anderson, who you know from Wright State, who I worked with at Tampa Bay yeah. as well. Yeah, he used to always get the wrong Brian Anderson cards. So you don't have to worry about that, at least for now. There's no other Joe Smith. No, I mean, I get confused with a lot of people, and they ask me to sign other people's cards all the time, but it's never another Joe Smith, that's for sure. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, as uncommon as my name is, uh, there was a guy that played for the Pittsburgh Pirates at the same time really? in the major leagues named Steve Sparks. That, uh, really? You know, when they send baseball cards to, you know, uh, to have signed, then uh, I get uh, this other guy, Steve Sparks, who played about a half a season with Pittsburgh. <laughs> No, nobody sent you Salvatore Persicos? Oh, no, I haven't gotten his, and I haven't gotten the uh, Joe Smith that played in the NBA either. They haven't sent me those either. <laughs> okay, Joe, I've got, I've got one for you. Speaking of pirates, why do some pirates wear an eye patch? Do you have any idea why pirates wore eye patches? Oh, buddy. <laughs> I feel like I should know this. This is the kind of information that relief pitchers use in the bullpen. Yeah, I would so agree. You get, you you a lot use, of riddles. Yeah, a lot of riddles, a lot of yeah. useless information, a lot of trivia. So here's the answer. <laughs> yeah. Why pirates wear an eye patch is that the eye patch could be used to prepare one eye to see in the dark. So when they would go below deck, That's right. they could swap the eye patch from one eye to the other and see with the eye that is already adjusted to low light conditions. That way you yeah. can take charge in, a, in an altercation or a fight. You know Davinsky knows awesome. that. I'm not in that mind. I'm in like off-season mode right now. I'm, my brain isn't thinking outside the box. <laughs> That's what you need to spend your time doing, Joe, is you need to spend your time coming up with a, a lot of good, useless information to, to use in the bullpen. We've had Joe Biagini with us, so he takes care of that a lot for us. <laughs> so is he just crazy out there? He's unbelievable. I love Joe. He's uh 
but yeah, I mean, obviously he thinks different and some of the stuff that he says is just absolutely hilarious. So, uh, no, Joe's, Joe's amazing, but everybody comes up with stuff. I mean, Devo comes up with stuff. we got a great group of guys down there in that pen, man. It's been, it's been a lot of fun over the past few years to, with the starting pitching we've had, we've had a lot of time to kick our feet up and just socialize. So it's been a good time. About what inning does everybody start to get serious? Cause I know usually the first four innings, at least, uh, everybody's not really into the game as much yet. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, you just follow along with the game, obviously, you know, when it starts to get tight and obviously, you know, the past few years having AJ there, everybody knew their role. They knew, you knew kind of where you were going to fit in. So, you know, you pay attention to the game. I mean, and, mm-hmm. and you, you could be able to tell who's really getting warmed up, who's not. And, um, it, it ran so smooth. So, um, you know, some guys get ready a little bit earlier. Like I get ready earlier, depending on, you know, obviously, um, Osuna and Presley and Will, Will would get ready early, but I could never figure out why. And he would just keep saying he might, he might call my name. And I'm like, no, nah, Will, you're, you're later, bud. Like you're really good. So, <laughs> you know, around the fifth, everything starts to, you, you start seeing guys kind of get in their own space and just, and just kind of locking it in a bit. 782 games worth, Joe, and finally got a chance yeah. to taste uh, a little bit of World Series action last year for the first time. Uh, that had to be a fulfillment of a lifetime goal after all those games. Yeah, I mean, I, that's what everybody plays for, right? I, I don't know, understand why that was like a story uh, last year. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, honestly, because you think about there's so many guys that have played this game that have never gotten the opportunity, despite how many, you know, there's probably yeah. guys that have pitched more than me. I mean, heck, I told somebody, I said, I think Fernando Rodney from his worst, first World Series with the Tigers to that World Series might have actually had more appearances than me in that time. But, <laughs> but I don't know if that's right. true. I don't know if that's true or not, but it, it's pretty close. But it was awesome. It, you know, it was awesome to do it with that group of guys. Uh, we could, you know, that group of guys was obviously already close. Um, and to, to jump in there. And for them, the way they took me in and just to be a part of it, um, man, it was so much fun. I, I, it was unbelievable. I I still can't believe we lost. I must say that like twice a week. I can't believe it, but uh, (laughs) it's tough. It's just, it's hard to win. It is hard. It is hard to win. You mentioned uh, Fernando Rodney and right now he's unsigned. So Joe, that bumps you into the active games leader in games appeared. (laughs) We we mentioned the number Uh, you're, you're approaching 800. You're 18 away from that. Only 50 guys in the history of the game have done that. 900, there's been 26 guys all time who have reached that plateau. Uh, do you ever have a chance? Or are, you, are you just grinding it out? Or do you ever have a chance to sit back and think, man, you've been blessed and this is a pretty cool thing you've accomplished at this point of your career? You know, it was funny when I first came up, I, you know, you, you got to make goals for yourself, right? And like, it's weird when I first got to the big leagues, it was, I didn't know, I was kind of lost. And I was lost in the aspect of my whole goal had always been to make it to the big leagues. Like that was it. And then I finally made it in that first season. There's a lot of ups and downs and I didn't, and I feel like it was because I didn't really have any goals. I, I was shocked that I made the team out of camp when I did, cause it was my first full season, first spring training. And next thing you know, opening day, I'm, 
pitching against the Cardinals who just won the World Series. And I was, you know, I couldn't really get my mind. And then the next year I was able to have a solid year, and I think I had a better idea of what I wanted to do. And I talked a lot of the veteran guys in our bullpen, Aaron Seeley, Billy Wagner, uh, Scott Schoenweiss, really helped me out with how to kind of outline and go about different you know each season as far as setting goals and like what's actually obtainable and and so forth and so on but i think it was about maybe 2010 or 11 when i really felt like i settled into actually being an everyday major leaguer and i was actually comfortable with everything going on comfortable with what i knew i could do and how i could perform and i was never going to be a uh you know because i threw sidearm or whatever it was uh I wasn't going to be able to get you know saves or any of these other records. So I said, screw it. I'll just go for games. You know, I like pitching. And in my second year, I was in 82 games. And I was like, well, maybe I could get 1,000 if I play long enough. And wow. um, I had a pretty good run uh, after that for five years with 70-plus games in each one. And I was like, this could be a real possibility. And then and then the health issues started coming up and, and everything. And but that's always that that was kind of my one thing to the despite going season by season my season goal was always 70 games and i was able to accomplish that for 5 years in a row which which was pretty special for me um but then i was like i want to get to 1000 and then obviously the achilles injury did not help me at all right and then um you know now we're delayed here so uh, I don't know, you know, if I, if I feel, I still love playing, man, it, it, it's fun to pitch, but, um, I haven't really sat back and looked at that. I just want to, uh, I want to get baseball back and get playing again. And then if I feel healthy and I feel good, I'll keep going. But there were a couple of those years. Um, I remember after 2016 season, I told my, my wife, I go, if I, if there, if I haven't had one more year like that, and it was basically injury wise, um, I was like, I'm done. Like, I, I, I can't mentally, I can't handle it. You know, we, Sparky, you can probably attest to this. You know, when, when you're playing and you're healthy, like I can handle the ups and downs of getting beat or, right. or doing a good job. But hitters let you know yeah, when you're done. From a body standpoint, it yeah. was every day I was worried about what are we doing today? Kim, I need to do this for my body to get ready to play at nine o'clock at night to make it through an inning. Like, I'm like, I can't make it to an inning. Like this is embarrassing, you know? And <laughs> you know, whether it was an oblique, a hammy, um, fortunately it was nothing with my shoulder or elbow, but I was just, uh, I was just worn down from the constant everyday grind of trying to get my body to perform for literally 15 pitches. And I was like, my body yep. can't handle throwing 15 pitches. Like I'm out. And, Fortunately, in 17, when I went to Toronto, um, talking with their staff, we changed just about everything I did on a day-to-day basis, and uh, my body responded really well, and I, and I started feeling really good, and, um, you know, so I was like, all right, let's keep going, like, but just that, you know, I playing through injuries and playing through all that, it's it takes a toll, and not only on the field and on you mentally, but then obviously how you might act when you come home to your wife or if you have kids or something, you know, it, it never really leaves the back of your mind. And it was just, it was, it was consuming me to, and I wasn't in a spot where I wanted to be um, even right. off the field. So it's just, you know, we'll see what well, happens. I feel good, but yeah. And you're still pitching great. So I, I want to ask you this, and this is the last thing for you, Joe, and we appreciate you coming on. 
if there's a 12-year-old kid listening to this podcast right now and he loves baseball and he dreams of being a major leaguer, you weren't sure that you were going to be a major leaguer at one point. And when you were 12 years old, you had dreams. What would you tell that kid right now? Just go out. If you're 12, man, go out and play. Have fun. Things are getting crazy in this world with all this. You know, everybody's taking lessons. Everybody's playing fall ball. Everybody. I, one, I would say play multiple sports. Um, I think it helps kids develop. I think each sport's totally different set of body parts you got to use it just helps you learn how to control your body and i think major league baseball players are really good at what they do because they have control over their body being able to you know adapt to a a new swing or a new pitching motion or a new pitch very quickly because we're able to understand what our bodies can do and i think you can simply get that by you know you want to play soccer play soccer football basketball what you know whatever it is like but you're 12 years old uh, have have fun and have fun with the game of baseball with the people you want to play it because the chances of making it to the big leagues, I mean, everybody knows the numbers. It's it's crazy. You probably got a better chance of getting struck by lightning. Just make sure you enjoy it because the game the game's awesome. I know over the past few years there's been a lot of talk, a lot of different ways of changing the game, but the game's meant to be enjoyed. The game's meant to to have fun. And if you're not having fun doing this and it's a job when you're 12, I promise you, you're going to be burnt out by the time you're 20, you know? Yeah. I would say just have fun, play the game, work on it, play out in the yard with your friends, play as much as you want, but, but just make sure you're having fun while doing it. Yeah. Well, Joe, we, we appreciate you coming on. TK and I were both looking forward to this a lot, but, uh, the one thing is I think a lot of people's perspectives are going to change to the point where we're going to have a lot more fun in everything we do and just enjoying each other. So thanks for coming on, man. We really appreciate everything you do. Yeah, guys, take it easy. Stay safe. Thanks, Joe. All right, man. All right, fellas. That was a lot of fun. Joe Smith, man, uh, he's one of the best, and he's been doing it for a long time. So uh, it was great catching up with him, wasn't it? Yeah, so good to hear from Joe. And, uh, you know, that – project frontline that he and Allie are involved with is so uh, rewarding and it's it's a great cause so keep that in mind if you're thinking of a charity to help out during this time but yeah he's he's great I can't wait to see him in person and you as well uh, it's been too long buddy it has. Houston we know these are uncertain and unprecedented times but we will get through this we will get through this together together it is important that we all take the necessary steps to ensure safety of our loved ones and our community you're the best fans in baseball the best and we love you we love you baseball will be back and we cannot wait to see you stay safe houston for the h it's for the h all right welcome back to astropod this is steve sparks and i've got a a really interesting guest and i'm a big fan of chris shepherd uh, who owns about five restaurants in the Houston area. And Chris, I want you to talk about this so I don't bumble through it, but I saw you on the news uh, last week. I'm a big fan of yours anyway. I met you last year. But uh, can you talk to us a little bit about what you're doing with the Southern Smoke Foundation? Yeah. So Southern Smoke was something that we started about five years ago. And originally what it was, a friend of mine came to me and we were doing this dinner series and to raise money for culinary scholarships. And he came to me and asked me if we could do one for MS. And I said, sure. Why? What's the connection? And he told me, well, I was diagnosed with MS this week. And I told him, I said, we're not going to do a dinner. Um, we're going to throw a party. And that's the only way we know how to do these things. 
And so it was supposed to be a small kind of outdoor barbecue with 200 people turned into a shutting down the streets, getting a stage, having live music for about 800 to 1,000 people. I said I wanted to raise $100,000 for MS, so we raised 180000 So year two, we raised 280000 Year three, Harvey comes through. And we looked around and I said, you know what? We can't do this for MS this year. We have to figure out a way to put money in the hands of folks in our industry that have uh, suffered from this crisis. So just shifted the focus a little bit. We did. And yeah. we went to set up a way that people could apply online in English, Spanish, and Vietnamese. Uh, we ended up writing uh, 139 checks for half a million dollars to folks in the Houston area. And what I had said is like, it didn't matter if it was if you were a dishwasher, if you worked through the drive-thru, if you were the farmer, if you were the person that delivered the milk, if you stocked the wine, it, anybody in our industry, waiters, bussers, cooks, it didn't matter um, just to apply. And so we kind of set the foundation for it then. Um, and then year four for Southern Smoke, we split year four and five, actually. Uh, we kind of divvied some money to the MS Foundation and then the rest to the okay. Hospitality Relief Fund. So and it's so timely right now, uh, Chris, and I would imagine with, with so many people out of work and, and you're figuring out ways at the <laughs> Georgia James Steakhouse and your other restaurants, how to keep uh, your employees busy, aren't you? We had to furlough the majority of our hourly employees and yeah. uh, we, we cut back on our, our management staff salaries and we just... We're grinding it out and putting food out for HEB and for our drive through and doing all that we can to make it happen. For Harvey, we had less than 300 applications come in. And for right now, we're over 17,000. Oh, my um, goodness. Since the COVID-19 crisis has come about, like um, I would say in the past three weeks, we went from having two and a half staff members <laughs> to over 30. Um, wow. And we basically just hired, furloughed, and and folks in the industry that, that were let go of their jobs to give them a job. And um, since in the past three weeks, we've been able to grant uh, a little over 600,000 to uh, almost 300 employees, uh, 300, th 300 people in the industry. And we're going to continue to go and we're just going to keep going until, until we can't go anymore. And, you know, as long as we have money in the bank, we're going to keep handing it out. You've won a lot of accolades, and we'll talk about that in, in just a minute. But what point mm -hmm. did you really start to understand that you had a responsibility to, to give back? And, and where did that charitable sense come from? You know what? we got to take care of our own. Because when we first started for MS, it was because of my friend. Uh, it was, there has to be a, a better way and a cure. And if we can throw parties and raise money to do something like that, then that's what we're going to do. When Harvey came through, it, it made me take a look at things, you know, because I had people all over the country, you know, emailing me and calling me like, how do I put money in the hands of folks in the restaurant industry? There was not a way. Well, you could put money to the Red Cross or the Mayor's Fund or JJ's Fund or whoever's fund, but nothing is specifically going to target the restaurant and hospitality industry. So kind of looked at it and said, this is our opportunity to make that choice make that decision to change so that there will be a system set up. You know, I can't physically give money to everybody like me personally, but what we can do is we can throw big parties and let people raise money to do this. And then we can in turn take care of the people that take care of everybody else when they're out on their dates or their Friday nights or their celebratories or 
or what have you. But the idea that somebody in our industry uh, doesn't have a safety net, that most of the time hospitality workers go from paycheck to paycheck. And if something happens, the actual thought process of having to either pay your rent or go to the doctor and you can't do both. Well, we need to be able to have a system that is set up to do that. And so that's what we've tried to do. And now since COVID-19, um, you know, it's, it's one of the viable ways that people can help, um, give back to people in the hospitality industry and, and lots of companies and lots of private donations and, you know, five bucks here, 10 bucks here, a hundred thousand dollars here, you know, a million dollars <laughs> here. Like it, it all, it, it, we've, you know, over the past few weeks, I've never seen anything like it. And, but, you know, every day it's, you know, we put a list of people into the awards committee and it could be $30,000 a day up to, I've seen $80,000 a day. Wow. Um, so the money is going out and the money, you know, as long as it keeps coming in, the money will keep going out. We'll keep helping people in our industry. That's the, that's the key thing. That's cool stuff. We're talking with Chris Shepard. Uh, he was, according to Rob Report, the chef of the year, not just for Houston or the state of Texas, for the world. He was the world <laughs> chef of the year, according to Rob Report. Pretty heady stuff. 2019, Georgia James Steakhouse was named the best new restaurant in, in this the entire state of Texas by Texas Monthly. And I don't know if you remember this, Chris, but you and I met last fall at Garrett Cole's uh, yeah, absolutely. fundraiser at your restaurant. And you told me that uh, your head cook. That's Nick Fine. Oh, yeah, that was Nick. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah. was Nick. Nick's our culinary director, and he is uh, arguably uh, the biggest Astros fan I've ever met in my life. And, uh, you know, he's been that way his entire life. <laughs> you know, he's been through the ups and downs for sure. You know, it's, well, every it, year it's 27 days, chef. And I'm like, for what? He's like, pitchers and catchers report. And I'm like, <laughs> how do you even know that? God so, bless Nick Fine. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Well, you know, if you guys want to raise some more money, just somebody show everybody how to make your bacon jam. And, and I think you guys can make some more money, right? That's it. That's well, we it. appreciate uh, you coming on, Chris. Uh, it's Chris Shepard. Uh, you, you do amazing things around this city. And uh, I just want to let you know, I'm a big fan. When uh, this is all the dust is settled, you and I can have a quarantini. How about that? I would love that. I would absolutely love that. So thank you so much for having right. me on. How can people reach out to Southern Smoke? It's, it's www.southernsmoke.org, and all the links are there. Thanks a lot, Chris. Take care, buddy. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, man. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team.